Hi, hello, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good middle of the night to you and all that kind of stuff. It is, uh, what is it? It's the first day of February. How about that? The first day of February, January. How long did that last? Five minutes? Maybe a bit longer than that. February the, uh, February the 1st, 2024, Thursday. This is Paul English Live. Every Thursday, 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. in the U.K. for a couple of hours. <clears throat> I've had a wonderful day today where nearly everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. So I guess in a way that's kind of a perfect day, isn't it? Maybe. Coming to you on WBN324.zil, that's .zil. Uh, links through to all the streams can be found at paulenglishlive.com. We're on quite a few platforms every week. Hopefully add more in the future, I guess, as the year rolls through. There may be people joining us tonight. I don't know, actually. It's all been a bit up in the air. But you, dear listeners, are joining me. And, of course, the chat room is over at rumble.com. You can find the link to that, of course, at paulenglishlive.com. Uh, you're listening to Paul English Live here at WBN324.zil. WBN324.zil. Uh, we're here every Thursday at 3 p.m. Um, except, of course, I was here at uh, ooh, nine minutes past 3 p.m. today because, uh, uh, well, it's just in keeping with my day. And as I said, in keeping with my year. So I'm obviously in need of a very long vacation on one of those... Uh, one of those islands that people go to when their brains start to malfunction, because mine obviously is to some degree. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, we're back here. Um, I'm going to have to tidy up all the recording afterwards, but of course, who cares about that? Let's just crack on with whatever we've got. Uh, but it's very much in keeping with my day and even my week uh, today's show, because um, <coughs> I, had, um, I had a guest lined up at the beginning of the week, but they couldn't make it. Uh, then I had another guest yesterday, but in discussing things over, I think we needed to put that one back a bit for all sorts of reasons. And then, uh, right up until about two or three hours ago, I had another guest lined up, uh, ready to come through, and um, that was not possible to pull that off either. So um, it's just been one thing after another. I thought, <clears throat> what should I do? This is about 45 minutes ago before I started messing up the beginning, and um, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll have, I'll have a drink. 
I don't mean alcohol. No, we can't be doing any of that. Although, you know, my mind did turn to the thought a little bit. That's apple juice, by the way. I want you to know, maybe uh, maybe an audio soundtrack for drinking liquids is not actually required in radio, but it, uh, <coughs> it sort of comes through from time to time. Anyway, um, let me just type a little thing here, because I have to do that. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I thought, hmm... What should we do? So the last, uh, the, the first month of this year has not been too bad. I've been talking to people. You'll know I've had guests in. And it's possible that somebody could rock up for the second hour in about 50 minutes' time. I don't really know, but they may well do. Um, they're currently out doing something rather interesting, uh, which they may want to talk about when they get here or not. Um, and if they can't turn up today, <coughs> excuse me, they should be here next week. So um, I, um, I come through a few of my... Um, what would you call these things? Clips. I, I come through a few clips. I'm going to pepper a few clips throughout the show. P- please feel f- free. Please feel free to call in if you like and keep things moving along. <laughs> because today's been quite a day. Um, so if you want to call in at any point during the show, I really don't mind today because it's going to be um, bouncing around all over the place. Um, the way you do it, you go to paulenglishlive.com, and below the main show image there, you'll see a little line with today's show, and it says something like, uh, it's got some words on it and stuff, uh, if you want to call in, click here, there's a nice big sort of green click here, and that'll bring you through to the studio, where I'm hanging out, currently pressing buttons in the wrong order, as I keep on doing and uh, you can join in, and we can have a little chat about things. Now, you ever heard of a gentleman called Bill Gates? Listen to this, if you can. We will have new vaccines. We'll have a, a TB vaccine, malaria vaccine, HIV vaccine, and even the things like COVID vaccines, we need to make them have longer duration, more coverage, uh, and we're going to change, instead of using a needle, to use a little mm. patch. Uh, so the pandemic really highlighted that we've been underinvested in those innovations. I thought he said there um, TV vaccines, which I got quite excited about. Maybe I thought there was a way for people to, uh, you know, get vaccinated um, at uh, uh, against watching TV, which would be not a bad vaccine. I might even take that myself. No, I'm only joking, really. Poor old Bill. And he really does look very old. Of course, he's not poor, is he? Uh, that comes through on a little sort of caption clip um, service that I've got on Telegram, which I would recommend to all sorts of people. Um, but uh, uh, And they've built up like mad. Um, because we've been talking to people and actually having uh, guests on, which I quite like, um, but as I was just saying earlier, if you just joined us, uh, that's kind of been a little bit of a runaround this week. It's all gone a little bit crazy. Um, but let me give you the the clip here um, from from that little clip, or the little wording. It says this. Speaking from the WEF's annual Davos summit, Bill Gates excitedly announces all the new vaccines he has up his sleeve, ready to foist upon the world. We will have new vaccines. We need to make them have longer duration, more coverage, and we're going to change. Instead of using a needle, we're going to change to using a little patch. The pandemic really highlighted that we've been underinvested in those innovations. Now, this is one of those speeches, again, which you can read two ways, and you need to read them at least two ways, I would suggest. Um, When he says we, who's he 
We's the magic word here. It always is, you know. Uh, we're always using the word we, aren't we? <laughs> See, I just did it then. But who, who's his we and who's our we? So I just read it like this. He goes, we will have, that is we, me and my pals and my uh, chums at the WEF and all these other little things that I'm involved with, we're going to have some new vaccines for you. And we need to make them have longer duration so that they harm you for a longer period. And we need more coverage because we want to harm more people for a longer period with more vaccines. And we're going to change. We're going to improve our ability to actually get more people to take vaccines and suffer for longer periods so we can control them more. And instead of using a needle, because this is just a thing, we're going to use a little patch, which will be even better for us. But uh, And maybe people will fall for that because there's not a needle involved. Of course, there is a prick involved in the needle. And, uh, of course, Bill Gates probably fits that description, I think. The pandemic really highlighted, he says, that we've, that's me and my pals at the WF, have been underinvested in those innovations. And <laughs> they have, because, you know, they didn't do us enough harm, did they? They really didn't get enough harm uh, to us. Um, so that's what he wanted to do. And I found, by going through my little folder here, which I'd not gone to for quite a while, that there was obviously quite a bit on the whole Davos thing, um, which you may remember, it's all gone down the memory hole now, hasn't it? which is where they were hanging out. Uh, and I've just been trying to find a few here. Uh, so we've got climate control. We've got uh, vaccines. We've got the jabs for the masses. We've got patches. We've got Bill Gates. Isn't it fun? We've also got Archbishop Vigano. Now, if you've not heard this chap, he's a good guy. All right, he wears a very large cross, and I'm kind of a little bit put off by things like that. But this is a guy that's running counter to everything in the WEF system. Listen to this. This is a couple of minutes from the Archbishop. Those who do not adapt to this fourth industrial revolution will find themselves ousted and will lose. They will lose everything, including their freedom. In short, Klaus Schwab is threatening the head of government of the 20 most industrialized nations in the world to carry out the programmatic points of the Great Reset in their nation. This goes far beyond the pandemic. It is a global coup d'etat against which it is essential that people rise up and that the still healthy organ of state start an international juridical process. The threat is imminent and serious. Since the World Economic Forum is capable of carrying out its subversive project, and those who govern nations have all become either enslaved or blackmailed by this international mafia. In the light of these statements, and those of others no less delusional than Yuval Noah Harari, Schwab's advisor, we understand how the pandemic first served as a trial balloon for imposing controls, coercive measures, curtailing individual freedoms, and increasing unemployment and poverty. The new step will, will have to be carried out by means of economic and energy, energy crises, which are instrumental to the establishment of a synarchic government 
in the hands of the global elite. Yeah, Archbishop Vigano there. And uh, the little clip said, if you could make your way through his accent. I think he's an archbishop. Yeah, he is. I don't know what kind of an arch that means. Uh, the gist of it, the World Economic Forum is threatening the heads of government of the 20 most industrialised nations in the world to carry out the Great Reset, yes. It is a global coup d'etat, yes, against which it is essential that people rise up. That's you lot and me and, uh, you know, your mum and your dad and all that kind of stuff. Those who govern nations have all become either enslaved or blackmailed by this international mafia. I think one of the good things that's happening... Um, these days, and by these days, I really mean 2024. I don't know about you, I've got a very different feeling about this year. I don't know what that means. I mean, you could say, oh, yeah, you and your pesky feelings. Maybe it's you and your pesky feelings too. I sense a quickening of all sorts of things. And although they are putting out ever more alarming news, I think the speed with which people are rejecting it is increasing. Uh, I don't think they've got the kind of traction that they think they should be getting. And they are beginning to look um, a bit like they've only got one plan and they're doing it more and more and they can't figure out quite why such a large amount of people, a large number of people, are effectively not buying it anymore. And I think that process is improving uh, in favour of us lot. Um, and uh, just over to Earth Newspaper... Um, who's just put a little link there in the Rumble chat. And just to let you know, uh, this show goes out on WBN324.zil. It also goes out on Freefall Radio South Africa. It goes out on Rumble. You can find the link to the Rumble Room and the chat. The Rumble Room. Yeah, the Rumble Chat Room. Rumble Room. Quite like that. Um, over at PaulEnglishLive.com. And we're also on uh, Speak Free Radio and Eurofolk Radio and Global Voice Network. I think we did have a bit of a messy start today and I know exactly what caused it and I am becoming the world master at this but there we go anyway there's a link in the chat room from Earth Newspaper um, uh, the Carlo uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano Archive 49 posts in there he's been speaking a lot of courageous things for the last couple of years and maybe I guess because he goes around dressed the way he does with a very large cross a huge number of people probably won't pay too much attention to it associating that kind of stuff you know, with another control system, maybe the church. But we have to be careful about who we include and who we exclude. I mean, a few weeks ago, we were doing a show uh, on Freemasonry. And uh, I, as I think I mentioned last week as well, uh, somebody who has communicated to me under the letter J um, uh, got through to me and said, it's not all one way. And I accept that it isn't, you know, it absolutely is not all one way. And everybody that are involved in these things are not always bad people um and it's not always going to be the case that they are supremely evil and working away and all of these things so there are good people in it and uh, i think if you remember that show it was a few weeks ago with dennis uh, we were just talking about the fact that uh, freemasonry at one point was a very wholesome decent sort of organization as are most organizations when they start off but one by one they tend to fall um, I've been joined, I think I've been joined, by Paul, who's here. Paul, are you here in the studio uh, for uh, communication purposes or because you wanted to shout at me because something technical had <laughs> fallen down? Oh, no, 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 no. I expect the technical, the technical difficulties. I mean, that's what breaks up the, the monotony with the Paul English live show. It's great. 
It is monotonous. You know, it's, it is. It's, it's terrible. It's never, <laughs> it's never the same old boring start with you talking over the intro music and, and bringing on a guest and all that. It's, it's like you never really know what's going to happen. Yeah, which you have to do because the I didn't deserve that today. Span. <laughs> you know, I really didn't deserve that today. Uh, obviously, I did deserve it because that's what happened. <clears throat> but that was uh, it. It did typify my day, and as I was saying earlier, my week. It, <laughs> it just but I'm did. not picking on you. No, no, it's good. I, I, I want to make I sure that I think you if know I was I'm a not... listener, I would. I'd call in and go, "You no, no, press, no, 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 you know, stuff like that." It's fun. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely <laughs> not picking on you. I mean the the way this show. Uh, works out is great for the uh, overly shortened attention spans of the population in general. Now, of course, I'm not referring to your listeners mm-hmm. because your listeners are way above average. Absolutely. Did way you hear that, average. listeners? But all you are going Breathing to- on their fingernails now and going, oh, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah check me are. out. Ooh, I'm so, I'm so cool. Yes, you are. I mean, I'm, hey, look, I read the chat and rumble. I read it. I read some of the things these guys come up with, and they are infinitely more brilliant than I am. Infinitely. Well, I'm going to give a tip of the hat to Warren straight off, Paul, because Warren's just written in here. Warren, the man with the immensely long username. But Warren (laughs) is stealing my line. I'm sure I came up with this first, uh, but you can steal away. I get this one. He says, Schwab can shove his great train set up his... Um, up his junction, I think that's what he was going to say. Because I, I started calling it the great train set because that's really what I think these guys need. And they just need to be left alone with a very large model railway and just pretend that that's the real world. And then they can be happy and think they're in control of all these sorts of things. But I do sense, I don't know about you, Paul, I really do sense a waning of what they consider to be their power in terms of the hold on people. Now, I could be wrong. Oh, for Maybe, sure. You know, maybe oh, no. uh, the people here as well are such seasoned researchers into this that they sense it as well. Uh, one always has to go out into the street and see what's going on with people. But but maybe it's just as little. <laughs> it's just as little no. is going on with them as it was before all these events. But I'm I'm I've got my rose tinted right spectacles on, and I like wearing them. I have to tell you. No. You are spot on because they got locked down. It was supposed to be for two weeks, then it became two months, and then it became six months. And they got their stimulus check from the government. They got 1200 and then they got 600 Well, there were some countries that were giving their people like between 1000 and $1,200 a month as a stimulus check. Mm-hmm. And just because you got a $1,200 stimulus check doesn't mean that the politicians didn't get and get this a $1.2 million stimulus check. That's what they got, okay? Just well, so they, they can fill their their deluxe freezers with all of this gourmet ice cream and then live stream on the internet and show off to all the people that are eating ramen noodles because they're out <laughs> of money. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that worked out good. Yeah. Uh, someone's written here a little comment about Sam, Sam Melia's trial. I'm going to mention that a little bit later, but only briefly, uh, but I'm going to acknowledge it for all the right reasons, but just not right now. But thank you for that, Jez. Quadruple nine. Look at me reading things at a distance. That's. But yes, Paul, I think... <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Uh, 
Yeah, their powers. Go- let, let me play another clip. Here's another one. These, I, I suspect it. many of you here have heard these over the past few weeks, but I've not been playing any clips intentionally. I wanted to sort of move away from that for a bit. And I just, I looked at them today, and I haven't even heard these things, right? I've not heard them, so these are blind. I'm just looking at them for brevity. This one's about two minutes long. This is from Australia. And I seem to be hearing more and more stuff from Austra- certain people in Australia. Listen to this. Oh, what's happened Instead there? of working together to push Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum plan based on United Nations policies, work together instead for our country. Klaus Schwab's life by subscription, quote, is really serfdom. It's slavery. Billionaire globalist corporations will own everything. Homes, factories, farms, cars, furniture. And everyday citizens will rent what they need, if their social credit score allows. The plan of the Great Reset is that you will die with nothing. To pull off this evil plan, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum will need to take more than just material possessions from Australians. Senators in this very chamber today who support the Great Reset threaten our privacy, freedom and dignity. Yes, they're in this Senate chamber. One Nation vehemently opposes the Great Reset, the Digital Identity Bill, theft of agricultural land use, forcing farmers off their land, and all of the Great Reset. One Nation has a comprehensive plan to bring our beautiful country back to sustainable prosperity. And in the months ahead, we will be rolling that plan out. Instead of Lib Lab pushing Klaus Schwab's Great Reset with the tagline, you will own nothing and be happy, One Nation advocates the great resist. We stand for a world where individuals and communities have primacy over predatory globalist billionaires and their quizzling bureaucrats, politicians and mouthpiece media. One Nation accepts the challenge to provide a better future for everyday Australians. We have one flag, we are one community and we are one nation. One Nation, I'm assuming that that is some kind of an organisation that's springing up down in Australia. Are you aware of that at all, Paul? No, but I have a total man crush on that guy. I love that guy. <laughs> I love that guy. I do. Well, I have a yeah. total man crush on him. <laughs> I'll tell you who he is. Let's just read the blurb here because these are useful things. Um, I, there's a summing up point at the beginning. It says, the plan of the Great Reset is that you will die with nothing. Well, I don't really mind that right. because, you know, uh, that's what I started off with. Um, and that's what I actually will die with, irrespective of these human uh, structures about this, that, and the other. I'm not really too worried about that. It's not my death that's the problem. It's my life that's the challenge. I think that goes for all of us. It's what we do, you know, before uh, wooden box time that really counts. You know, we want to live a life, uh, a decent life. That's Australian Senator Malcolm Roberts, everyone, that you were just hearing there in that clip. It goes on, it says, dropping serious truth bombs about the WEF. Now, being a pernickety sort, I don't like the word resist. I've mentioned this before. I really don't like it. I don't think we are resistors. I think we're restorers. And that's the word I prefer. I'm I'm into constructive language and positive language as opposed to negative resistance language. But that's just me. Um, you might, you know, I know a lot of people are going to use the word resist just because I'm pontificating about it doesn't mean that it's going to stop getting used. I know that, but I still think it's a kind of negative energy wave that doesn't help us. This and I've mentioned fine. here before that as a people, 
wherever we may be, North America, Northwestern Europe, down in the Antipodes, the Antipodes, the Australians and the New Zealands, we are at our best when we're building and when we have a positive view of what we're supposed to bring about. And I think that there has to be some attention paid to that to overwhelm what their truly pathetic plan is. And I th- I think the good news is that people are beginning to see and discover the language right at their mouth tips, as it were, and deliver it more rapidly, more effectively in conversations to build up that kind of th- wall of thought that these people are you know, it doesn't really matter what adjectives I use because they're not going to get to hear them, are they? They're in their little bubble. But for us, I think we're restorers, you know. Um, and um, what did he say here? A little bit more on this thing, Paul, before I let you back on. He just says, Klaus Schwab's life by subscription is really serfdom. Well, this is true. This is what they're after. Uh, it's slavery. Yeah, I guess so. Billionaire globalist corporations will own everything, whatever that means. Homes, factories, farms, cars, furniture, and everyday citizens will rent what they need if their social credit score allows, only if we comply with it, only if we say, yes, that is what's happening. And I think the other danger point, my other pernickety point with this sort of description of what they're going to do is that it's actually pushing their agenda. This may seem possibly a bizarre observation from certain quarters, but whenever you describe exactly what they're going to do, you're actually marshalling all of their ideas and spending time reviewing what they're going to do. And my stance, really, and this is more difficult, I think, um, is for us to discover our own language, to describe our own plans about how it's going to be, which is not us necessarily. In fact, it's definitely not us coming up with new ideas, but it's us going back to the old ideas and body of law that we know exists and restoring it because it works for us. It might not work for people here, there, and other parts of the world who've got a different idea of life. Fine, it might not work for them. But I think we know what works for us. It's what's made us strong in the past. And and it's a great uh, underlying cause for why they're attacking it so much. Because it's very difficult for them to bring about what they want. If you've still got people running around on the fumes of the better parts of what I would call Christian law, which still do exist and are wafting around in our civilization today. How about that? <laughs> I think. Well... <clears throat> Okay, now now he's saying that the government's going to own everything. The government already owns everything. If you have your um, automobile title registered with the Department of Motor Vehicles, you've already transferred true allodial ownership of your car over to the state, and you received a certificate that guarantees you beneficial ownership. That means that you have ownership and control over it. You have to insure it. You have to inspect it. You have to maintain it, maintain it and change the light bulbs when they burn out. You have to follow all of the statutes, acts, and codes that are governing governing the motor vehicle code because that car that you think is yours is actually their property and that's why you're using it pursuant to their rules and their direction. And it's the same thing with a title to your property, to real estate title. If you don't hold a lodial title, you don't own it. If you've got gold or silver in a bank vault someplace and you have a certificate of deposit, guess what? If you can't hold it, you don't own it. 
They already own everything. They just haven't turned the screws and haven't pulled the plug out of the drain while everybody's wealth goes spiraling down into the sewer. And that's the way it's going to happen. A low deal title. I know what you're saying, Paul. I've still got a funny thing running around in my head about, <clears throat> and this is just long standing with me. I, uh, maybe I've talked about it before. Maybe some listeners have had a similar experience. I remember when I received my first income tax request, right, when I was about <laughs> 18. Dear Mr. Okay. You owe us... And it coming in the brown envelope. You know, they they come in brown envelopes over here. I don't know what colour they come in in America. I'm assuming something similarly grim to send out a warning that this is serious. You know, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I couldn't have given you an intellectual response at the time. <clears throat> but I was just furious about it. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, pure rage about the whole thing. Who... Who are you? Stop sending me letters. I want to send them letters. You see, when we talk about their processes, it means that we become enmeshed in them for some reason, and it's in our thinking and in the words that come out of our mouths. Whereas I've, I tend to think, and this is vague, I'm being vague right now because it requires an awful lot more thought, but I think a, there are certain people out there that have given this an awful lot more thought, and we have to reduce things down to basically a simpler sort of level of understanding. Every t- I don't know about you, but every time I'm invited in to study the machinery of their system, I lose interest very, very quickly. I want nothing to do with it. Of course, mm-hmm. they have a lot of power over the minds. I mean, <clears throat> when you try and break down what we mean by their power, and I think about this a lot, you know, <clears throat> how do we break it down? Where does it lie? What is it that we're concerned about? I mean, some letters with some writing come through your doorbox asking you to do things. Yeah, I don't want to do those things, so I'm not going to do them. But that's not what we're concerned about. I think what we're concerned about is that a lot of people do do those things. And it's those people that are going to be asked to come around with a piece of two before and whack you in the head. That, you know, at the end of every sort of government request, there is the hint of violence, is there not? Restraint, imprisonment, removal of goods and services. You will be hassled by our people. Which people? Well, these people, they're called bailiffs or they're called Bill or he's called Simon or whoever it may be, right? And you look at them and you go, why are you doing this to me? go, oh, I need to get paid. They're not in that position of having questioned all these things. Now, I don't know quite where I'm going with all this. What I'm saying is that their power, a huge part of their power is that we have all agreed that they've got some. And I'm interested in finding out how we break that agreement very quickly. Just say, no, they haven't got any. Um, and the only way or an aspect of that is is effectively gathering large numbers of people together who begin to, in a very civilized way, build what we want and exclude them and exclude ourselves from these systems that they've laid down. Um, I know that's vague, uh, but it's a reflection yeah. of where I'm at with the whole thing. I, you know, people... It's funny, you have people that really study the law and the machinery of it, and we'll do this and we do that. And I've always found instinctively, I just feel sort of ill in the presence of that stuff. I feel as though by even studying it and going into it, I'm I'm caught, straight off, I'm caught, um, that their ideas are even worthy of my time, when most of their ideas are in complete breach of the actual laws as we have received them down through common law through scriptural law you know yeah that kind of stuff but but 
Uh, you're familiar with notice and the right to be heard, right? No, I'm not. Due pro- no. Okay. Well, due process. Let's say the, the Internal Revenue Service thinks that they want to separate you from some of your Benjamins, if not all of them. They will send you a letter. They will say uh, something. They'll be all very, very nice. They'll say, we're reviewing your income tax uh, your income tax account or your IRS account, and we may find that you may need to provide books and records to help us in our investigation of your account. Mm -hmm. If you do not hear from us in 60 days, 90 days, or 180 days, whatever, you can consider this matter uh, closed. If we do not hear from you... Within 30 days, we will, um, uh, let's see, no, I I went the wrong direction with that. If you just throw it away, if you just ignore it, you say, okay, well, that's, that's bollocks and it's garbage and I don't have to deal with it, whatever. Well, what they did in that confirmatory writing was they first told you that they're analyzing, they're in, they're investigating your internal revenue service account. So they may come up with the number that they think you owe them, okay? And mm-hmm. they may come at you for a books or records request, okay? Now, if you don't answer that letter, if you don't answer them with, I object, I don't owe you taxes, and I am not giving you my books and records because they're my private property. If you don't object within 30 days, it is presumed that you agree with their authority to not only uh, assess and collect whatever they want to take from you, but also seize any and all of your records going back as many years as they want to go. So you never throw that stuff away. If it's a confirmatory writing, you always answer it, you always object, and you always answer the question with a question. You give them back questions that they have to answer, and if they fail to answer them, they have to throw your account away. They have to never bother, never darken your doorstep again. That's how you deal with those. Never, ever ignore a communication from government, from a business from an employer, from anyone, because acquiescence is agreement. Learn it, live it, I know. believe it. I, I don't even like that, you see. <laughs> but uh, I'm in trouble. But you have to, I, no, I'm really yeah, in trouble right. with that stuff. I've done that for years. I get that, I get that and I'm not even reading it. It just goes in the bin. And then I get the heavier and heavier letter, and I call up, and then I get all smarmy with them, and they go, oh, yeah, and all that kind of stuff, or whatever I had to do. I mean, it's never been serious for me. Paul, we've been joined... But you may have seen, you may not have seen. I don't know what you can actually see here in the studio. But uh, Sussex man, Chris has joined us, <laughs> and he's been listening very patiently. And uh, Chris, welcome to the show. How are you? Well, yes, I'm very well, Paul, and uh, good to hear you have a pool as well. Oh, I wouldn't say that. I'll tell you one thing, interestingly, Chris, was that uh, Paul started to use uh, British foul language. I I did hear the use of the word. I did. I was very impressed, Paul, that you used the word bollocks. Sorry if I've offended everybody, but that's very British. And and we're having an effect. This is good, Paul. Things are improving a lot on that front. I'm I'm very pleased about that. (laughs) Sorry, Chris. I've I've lowered the tone immediately. You've only been here half a minute. (laughs) 
Uh, I can uh, Hi, Chris. C- confirm what um, Pearl said about the inland revenue. It applies in the UK as well. Lord, p- what people don't know, income tax is voluntary. There's no law anywhere that says you have to pay income tax. But as soon as you start filling in their forms, you've contracted with them. And um, I was telling Paul the other day, I was speaking to a lady who has a friend who decided to go private. All she did, she phoned up her accountant because he phoned her earlier, so it's, it's this time of year we need to have your records for the tax purposes is it and she said, oh, <laughs> oh this this she said, oh, right, oh sorry sorry <laughs> yeah. she, she said oh um i'm not i'm going private so i'm not doing tax now i'm in the private sector and he was flummoxed you know and well she got some letters you know and they got more and more threatening uh, and she sent a, fi- a formal notice in saying that I'm totally in the private now. Right. Uh, and she heard ne- nothing else after that. <coughs> and there's uh, other people who said the same thing. They haven't actually sent notices or anything, but um, they've refused to fill them in. But after loads of threatening letters, nothing's happened because to get you to fill in forms and go through your records is contrary to the modern slavery act in the UK. You're going to do work for nothing for another person. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've heard that right. one, Pell and Paul. Yes. Yeah, it's involuntary servitude. They are yeah. forcing you to comply or forcing you to perform in some fashion against your will. That is involuntary servitude. It is slavery. Isn't there some sort of mechanism like, <coughs> can't we just send a notice to them and say, you're not allowed to communicate to me ever again? Yes, you can, I think. And uh, I was listening the other day to somebody talking about council tax. Uh, once you've gone through all the procedures, not paying your council tax, uh, you can just terminate the uh, your contract with them, and uh, so you don't want to hear from them again. Um, uh, that's my kind of way of dealing with it. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a bit dense. I accept all that, but I I kind of feel that that's how most people feel when they hear these things. They go, well, you know, when you say, well, you've got to learn all this stuff, I'm going, why? Why should I have to do any work? I'm, you know, I'm just leading a decent life under the laws of God, and that invalidates your little club, so stop pestering me. You know, in in part, as I was saying, it's because they send boogeymen round. They send men, and there are threats in terms of body language, actual language, the tone of the language, the persistence of the... um, uh, the letters of demand. I mean, there's an interesting thing. When I was, I, I've noticed this with a lot of people that start to interact with these sorts of agencies and stuff like that. Chris, I'm just going to mute you a little bit because I've got a bit of echo right. coming back through your thing. Don't worry. I'll see when you want to speak again. Um, but one of the things was um, <clears throat> they always send out the naughty letters to arrive with you on a Friday or a Saturday morning. 
I don't know if you've ever had any of these sorts of things. The bits that are sort of, I remember when I was going through lots of court proceedings, they always arrive on a Friday when you've got no recourse to getting any help or advice or can communicate with anybody over the weekend because everybody's away. It's to make you stew. There are all these subtle little things that they do, which I simply view as part of the bullying process. And, um, you know, I don't take kindly to that, but uh, and it sends out a message, of course, that they're doing this on purpose. You know, that there's something bogus right at the very heart of it. Of course they are. You know, yes, it's... Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can, you can hear yes. you fine, Chris. We just, I just mute uh, you a little bit when I'm talking because I was getting the echo uh, coming back, that's all. Uh, I've gone what I'm going to say now. It's gone yeah. out of my mind. Oh, Good, that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... It's terrible. I thought if I'm going to mess up, I'm going to make everybody else that joins in mess up as well. It's a bad trait. I apologise, everybody. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, Paul, there was a very interesting intro that was on just before, well, I don't know if it was me, the sound went, that man talking about how bad it is for children to be sent to school. They learn far more with their parents mm-hmm. um, and also it's bad to go to a school too early because you're not young enough you, you're too young to comprehend you haven't developed properly and um, a lot of there were some countries I forget where they were I think they were mainly in I think one Scandinavian country and one in Eastern Europe where children didn't go to school until they were nine and then they, they finish school when they're about 14. And they were far more brighter and intelligent than those who've been schooled from, you know, infancy when they're five or six up to 18. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're learning from their parents a lot more and their brain develops faster. But when they go to school and they can't uh, understand you know, things they just treat as being dumb, you know, and for thereafter they're, you know, they're in the low stream and they never get to full development, so... Um, were you ever in the low stream, Paul? Were you, Chris? Were you ever in the low yeah, stream? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. I was I was, in, I've been in the low stream. I was always in the low stream. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Were you in the low stream or were you in the high stream all the time? How did it go? I was bored. I was bored. I, I wasn't challenged. I was bored. So you were bored. They, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. they tried to put me in the low string. And one one specific example was um, I never saw the importance in spelling. Okay, so that we'd have these spelling tests and all this, and um, you know I. I typically get 20 to 30% of the wrong, and the teacher would give me a hard time about it. And I said, okay, well, here's how I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to intentionally get every single answer wrong on the next spelling test. And I did. And she, of course, seized the opportunity to call me out on it. And I said, well, I'm... That, that looked right to me. So she said, okay, well, how do you spell this? How do you spell this? How do you spell this? She gave me 20 words that were on spelling tests that were beyond the, the scope where we were. Mm-hmm. And I got every single one of them correctly, 100%. 
Oh, you're one of those. I made made her look like an absolute fool. Well, you don't need to try very hard to make me look like an absolute fool these days, but that's pretty good. I'm quite impressed with that, I would never do that. No, no, it's okay. I I don't mind it. I think we should all act a little bit foolish. I'm sort of (laughs) taking... I'm I'm developing a great habit for it recently, which is uh, I've got to break it. You're, You're right about... I mean, that thing about just getting things right... Uh, my school, uh, the one that I remember most, I, of course, is uh, from the age of 11 to 18, because that's where, although I, I remember, you know, a great deal about junior school and infant school. Uh, we used to have this exam over here, and I was, we were told we were the last year that ever took it. I, but So that would be 1971, I'm revealing my age. It was called the 11 plus. And... Um, of course, they banned it later on. It was just a bit too intense. Whereas I came up in a family said, "No, you'll get to grips with that. And you'll get it done." You know? And I did. It was okay. It wasn't a big deal. But uh, the the main school I went to, we had three. Str- there were the classes would be about thirty to thirty five. It was an all boys school. It's the mid seventies. Looking back on it, I think it was pretty cool. Actually, um, I had a lot of fun there. <clears throat> you know. Uh, didn't study as hard as my teachers wanted me to. Um, but the streams were named G, F, and T. <laughs> G was top, F was you were in the middle, and T was the bottom. And, of course, we just said it obviously oh, no. stands for good, fair, and terrible because we couldn't think of anything else that it could possibly stand for, you know, good, fair, and terrible. And um, I spent one year in terrible I mean, what you was terrible. And most of the time, most of the time in in fair, and then there was I spent six months in G when I was doing quite well at English. So they sort of pushed me up to give me some English literature stuff. Then, but I I found my I found myself all comfortable in F, just the right amount of application, but also quite a bit of fun. It seemed to be okay for me, so I was quite happy in the middle stream. There you go, just lurking and hiding all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, treading water. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting, actually, because um, <clears throat> obviously I'm at that time of life now. I can't believe I'm at that time of life. This century, I was talking right at the beginning during the bit that didn't get broadcast <laughs> about how fast January had gone. Um, like, lasted about 25 minutes to me, did January or something? It's. I, I remember eating some turkey at Christmas Day, and now it's the 1st of February. It's something like that. It's absolutely blazing past. And, of course, everybody tells you, rightfully, I guess, that as you get older, this occurs. But I think there's something else going on as well. Even, even my sons are in their early 20s saying things are going quickly, um, but not as quickly for them as it seems as though it's going for us. But, yeah, everything is going so fast, and yet... Um, there's all this time going all the way back to junior school. And although this will be irrelevant really to a lot of people, this is a little thing that's happened this week. A friend that I knew has just passed away, um, someone who was my age, <clears throat> and apparently many of the people I went to school with, someone was calling me about a year ago saying, oh, this person's no longer around. And I said, really? I was a bit surprised. I, I'm sort of out of the loop a bit because I'm a long way away from my home patch in English terms. I mean, it's nothing in American terms, but in English terms, I'm about 290 miles away from home base. And um, so some of them have been shuffling off this mortal coil cheekily whilst I wasn't aware of it. But this guy, the one that's... 
um, I shared an awful lot of my life with him, actually. I realized, I've just been thinking about it the last sort of four or five days since I got the news of his passing. And um, we were we went to every single school, to the same school together. It was not always sort of in the same class, but every single school, from infant school, junior school, high school, and off, we were together. And then I was, we were part of the same sort of social clan that ran around for several years doing certain things. He was a curmudgeon, even when he was about 18. He really was. He was tremendously <laughs> argumentative. But uh, he also was incredibly generous of spirit at times, surprisingly so. He was a really good guy. And I have so many shared memories with him. Um, one of my first jobs, this has got nothing to do, by the way, with changing the nature of the world, but I'm just, I'm just letting you know. One of my first jobs, do you remember back in the 70s, um, obviously in America in the 50s, I've got this view that it was the heyday of this, but the petrol pump attendant, the guy that runs out and says, oh, yes. yes, sir. Okay, well, I was one of those. They, we still had them in England in the 70s. Young wretches like myself, you know, would run out and uh, in all sorts of weathers under this, it wasn't too bad. And we would fill cars up with smelly petrol. It was, you know, it was reasonably good money when you're 15 and 16 and don't have the proverbial pot to urinate in. And um, he got me the job there and we used to work together. We had a lot of fun there. Um, um, I'm trying to think of one thing that might be fun to mention was, oh, yeah, have you, do you remember? Maybe this used to happen in the States. I'm assuming it must have happened everywhere. You get the, we would stick the pump in the tank, right? And you'd get kickback from the petrol. It would, if it went in too fast in certain cars, you learn all the different makes of cars because they've all got a different bend in the... This is boring stuff, isn't it, really? But the, the petrol would kick back and you'd get drenched if you didn't know what you were doing. So we basically built up a little sort of mental notebook of certain cars, like an Austin Allegro. They were bad. They always, you had to go in very slowly with the petrol. And the owners didn't want to do it because they didn't want to get petrol on their shoes, you see. Those were the days. One day, anyway, I got this massive sort of kickback of uh, blowback of petrol. And my entire right leg was drenched in petrol. And so I went back in, got the guys changed, and then came back in. Andy sat there. That was his name. Good guy. And, uh... We sat there, board. I said, oh, put a match on my leg, will you? Set fire to that. Don't ask me why. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. I'm serious. I did. I I was fascinated to know because I was stupid. I've done certain stupid things like, oh, that's interesting. Not thinking of any consequences at all. And the salesman, the main salesman was on the the phone, on one of these wall phones. It was about five feet away from this. The whole of my right leg just went up like in a Hollywood movie. It was amazing. It just went woof. It wasn't the actual material. It was the fumes off the top of the uh, off the top of the jeans, you know. And uh, so the whole thing just went up, and uh, there was the nice smell of burning hair. It all grew back. I had ferociously hairy legs, like a gorilla when I was in my twenties. No, it wasn't that bad. But it was just one of those things. And I've been thinking about all these completely irrelevant things for me to mention on a radio station. We're shocking about serious stuff. But that's just what's been going on. People have, uh, I've found out a few people that I thought would be around forever have gone. It always makes you rethink things um, in a good way. And it brings up some amazing memories. And then I'm, I'm thinking about the whole thing about memory, you know, and recalling time. And, and you slip back into a memory and it's as if all the intervening time never ever took place, including, you know, being in the F stream at school and, and being beaten up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I I had the same. I didn't have a similar experience. I never ever suggested that somebody set fire to my leg. No, but 
But oh, you didn't. Um, you had Liv, Paul. Was, it was very exciting. Yeah, it was. It put excitement oh, into the day. Oh, look, Paul's on fire. They said, "I am." I'm sure. <laughs> I bloody was. I'm sure. In, yeah. And I grew up in Minnesota, uh, in the U.S., and there was these little itty-bitty works uh, gas stations. Mm-hmm. And they were called the Clark stations. And then, well, actually, they started out as Hudson gas stations, and Hudson's were also owned by the Dayton Hudson's that were the same family that owned the Dayton department stores. But that's not germane to the, to the story. Um, <clears throat> I would sit there we had two pumps on the outside of the parking lot that were self-serve and then we had two up by the building that were full serve and i had to go out and do that and oh yeah those those kickbacks are fun they're lots of fun yeah someone's written in the chat here um i mentioned the austin allegro one of the most appalling vehicles ever designed I mean, really, it was, if you saw one, you'd just go, what on earth is that? And it must have been bad because teachers started buying them at our school, what we went to, and we would all fall about laughing. I couldn't have afforded one. They cost quite a bit of money, right? And cars in the 70s were, (laughs) they were all flash and no substance. They just used to fall apart, literally. Um, But someone's written here, that's why they called those British Leyland cars all aggro. They were all aggro. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Exo, they were all aggro. Now, as a link from petrol into music, um, Paul, you'll be aware that I sent you a track earlier today. Uh, for listeners just tuning in, Paul does a thing we've now called it a, a B-Mix 432, or I have anyway, where tunes are taken and restructured at 432 hertz. Restructured is probably not the correct technical term. But this uh, track is... Um, by Ellen Williams, and the person that sent it in is with us here right now, Chris, um, in the um, uh, in the room. So, Chris, this is Ellen Williams, uh, restructured at 432 hertz. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we've got somebody else in the room. Fast Running Cheese, of course, absolutely. I've been waiting for you to turn up Fast Running Cheese. But before we bring you in, let's play this little song here by Ellen Williams. Be it my brother, my mother. 
that was Ellen Williams with Callon Lan, sung in Welsh, for those of you who are tuned into that thing. In English, A Pure Heart. And Chris, you you picked that one out. And uh, what a beautiful... What a beautiful bit of music that is. And certainly a great improvement, you know, with the different uh, uh, frequency. It's only, done it, or ju- it's only done it justice. Yeah. And, of course, uh, Pell, uh, I suspect you know, at one time there was a lot of Welsh speaking in uh, America, which is the ancient British language. He's gone. Oh, he was uh, muted. Hi, Paul. No, I was, I was, Hi, Paul. I was, I was muted. I was just listening. <laughs> and uh, for one reason or another, in the in the studio backfeed, it's in mono, and so I was actually, I actually turned down the the studio feed and actually played the original on my workstation here while I was going on. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's such a change of pace, uh, things like music like that. And I think, hang on, we've still got a little bit of... Um, just a touch. Just a touch. Yeah, let me just mute you, Chris, a little bit. Um, yeah, uh, it's such a change of pace. And uh, I know we're all used to modern music, um, but you should look her up. She's done some fantastic stuff. It's such a wonderful voice. And we need more beauty in the world. And if you don't think that's beautiful, well, uh, we don't worry. You will at some point, <laughs> I would say. It's just a matter of time. Maybe maybe as your ears get older, they're, they're prepared to accommodate more stuff. I know that when I was pretty young with music, I was a bit of a fascist about the whole thing. There's still that element, I think, in many men about it. There certainly is in me. There's certain things I just actually can't abide and they have to be turned off immediately. Um, but also there were other things that I wouldn't listen to when I was younger. Uh, classical music took quite a t- time for me to train my ears to sort of get into it. Um, I tried to get into jazz very di- I found it difficult really uh, a lot of them sort of modern stuff way too pretentious to me um, although I quite like swing music which is a f- type of jazz it's obviously a distinct branch of it mm-hmm. so <clears throat> I just like things that are sort of joyful and uh, the other thing that's interesting a thing that I always identified even when I was younger is to try and find music that both men and women can dance to so rock music tends to go very male and I am a fan of a lot of it not all of it but a lot of it um, because it's it's basically music that I sit down and listen to from time to time or did a lot when I was younger um, but it's great as your musical tastes expand. And I, di- I didn't play the station ID just after that, which I usually do, simply because it seemed a little bit inappropriate. It's quite thunderous. We'll do that a little bit later. Anyway, uh, just on the top of the hour, you're here listening to uh, Paul English Live at paulenglishlive.com. We're here every Thursday, uh, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. Well, 10 past 3 today because because of certain technical errors. Um, uh, UK, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. You know, it's always a bit of fun here around here bloody hell and uh yeah we're, so we and we'll be we'll be back every thursday with this uh, with this gig uh, i'm joined currently by uh, paul paul Beener and uh, chris sussexman and also somebody who we've not given any mic time to because he just crept in or she did you see i'm making uh, making judgments here fast running cheese welcome welcome to the studio you're currently welcome muted the studio. you're currently muted oh and we've got a bit of echo uh, hey, we've got a bit of echo we've got a bit of echo okay yeah, we have a lot of echo. So I'm going to work on the basis that fast-running cheese 
is fast fingering something or other to try and sort his buttons out so that we don't get any echo. Let us know if if you see. Okay, is that better? There you go, bingo, sorted. Well done. Welcome to the show, fast running nice. G's. I'm sure that I'm sure you were christened that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, super fast. You can't catch me. Uh, oh, it's from a ch- it's from a kids book. Uh, the uh, stinky cheese man. Let's see. What, what did I want to say? Your your pants on fire thing was so funny. That's why I wanted to call in. That was just the like the way you said it was absolutely You've done the, hilarious. Have you done the like, same thing? Are, are you part of the club? Are you? I wouldn't set myself on fire. Club. Something very similar. Like I have an old motorcycle that doesn't have a uh, um doesn't doesn't like have a gauge. So you have to open up the gas tank, right? Right. And I couldn't see in there. I use a lighter to see, and it looked like uh, uh, Old Faithful, oh, but no. fire. Just, oh, no. So I, right, I really quickly oh, closed dream. the lid and waited a couple minutes and then opened it up and was like, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so. Oh, that's I'm the closest gl- I've got to that. Oh, no, that's good. I'm glad to know I'm not the only stupid idiot out there at times. There's certain things. <laughs> I've just done things that afterwards I go, why did you do that? It's sort of like something appears so appealing. The brain used to shut off when I was a teenager. I go, oh, that's interesting. I mean, I shouldn't be saying all these things. I once burnt a fire, uh, an entire tra- train coach down. This is terrible. It's all coming out. They've been knocking on the door saying, oh, yeah, we're from the police from uh, 1970, blah, 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 blah. Were you wait, the- wait a minute. You burned down a train coach? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's swiftly moving on. But whilst we're... St- whilst we're still on the topic of fire i couldn't help it It was just one of those things we were bored it was a sun a lovely summer's day hey what can you do but i had i had another friend right another andy so there was the andy who i used to dollop out petrol with and we did all sorts of stuff together he was a great guy actually um I've, i've eaten more ginger nut biscuits and drunk more coffee with him than anybody else we just plowed through coffee and ginger nuts whilst we were serving petrol um oh there was another story but no i'll stick on fire because i'm going to get distracted i mean i always get distracted uh i had another friend called andy now you know you know pyrotechnic particularly in war movies of the sort of late 60s and 70s you always get some guy jumping out of a tank on fire or running through a building on fire that kind of thing and he was fascinated with this absolutely fascinated with it i don't know why i mean he'd not sort of been around when i'd set my trouser this is another andy completely you know Anyway, they built this <laughs> they built this very large brand new shopping center where I live, designed by an architect called Poulson, who turned out to be incredibly corrupt. There was a massive scandal about this guy in the seventies on TV, and he was giving backhanders there or taking backhanders, all of these shopping centers that had gone up. Anyway, they built one near where I lived called the Arndale Centre, and we were in a little sort of section on the east side of Leeds, and this was a grand thing. I remember it. It was like posh. It was like sort of Paris had come to this little place. We were all very impressed, you know, because we were, we were northern folk, and we'd not seen things like that. It was all a bit too grand for the likes of us, that kind of thing. Anyway, Andy, my other friend, he used to, um, he used to wear leather. He put a leather glove over his hand and he'd wear a parka now i don't know if you had those sorts of things in the states it's like a a thing with a hood with fur around it they were they were big in the 70s they were kind of the fashion statement you got a parka right and they were very heavy duty Um, and they kept the rain out and they kept the warmth in that kind of stuff so we all had them to go to school in but he used to get lighter fluid 
you can see that this I'm going completely off at several tangents, but yeah, you might as well know now. I've started, so I'll finish. He'd get lighter fluid, and he used to impregnate the arm and the glove completely in lighter fluid, and then would set fire to his entire arm, right, and then run through the shopping centre. Uh, which alarmed so many people. Not us, of course. We were rolling about laughing. But he used to, he used to really enjoy setting himself on fire. And one, one day, after a, a particularly fiery moment, an old, a nice old lady who obviously we wouldn't have called a nice old lady because we were youths and we were not fit for nothing back then. She came up and she said, "What are you doing? Stop setting that boy on fire." It was just the way she said it. It was just it went down. It became one of our little stock phrases. So. Yes, it's just one of those things. I think probably being from up north, not having much money, boxes of matches being cheap, we just set each other on fire. It was what you did. It's what you did. So I, th- there we go. I'm sorry about I that. I think everybody. now would. I think now would be a good time to play the WBN. I, I, uh, do you think so? Do we need a break? Yeah, we did. Let's intro. play that. Let's do a bit of um, a station. Especially, especially with, <laughs> especially with the disclaimer, the views of the hosts are their own Let's and play not it. necessarily the I network. think you're right. This is just to cover everybody. They don't want to be associated with me. I don't blame them. Here we go. Attention all listeners, are you seeking uninterrupted access to WBN 324 Talk Radio despite incoming censorship hurdles? Well, it's a breeze. Just grab and download Opera Browser, then type in WBN324.ZIL. And stay tuned for unfiltered discussions around the clock. That's WBN324.ZIL. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on the World Broadcasting Network are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of its owners partners and other hosts or this network. Thank you for listening to WBN324 Talk Radio. Yeah, that's got me covered then. Phew, I'm not in any more trouble than I was messing it up at the start. Thanks, Paul. That's great. That's really good, yeah. Uh, So we only want, if you're going to call him, we only want interesting stories about you setting yourself or your friends on fire. That's obviously where we're we're headed this week. (laughs) Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Chris have, Chris, have you ever set anybody on fire? No, not to my knowledge. <laughs> well, it's never, it's never too late to start. Um, I mean, I actually do use the phrase a little bit more about setting our people on fire, but I don't mean literally in terms of a sort of explosive, fiery force, but really in terms of uh, inner motivation. But I think that's happening all over the place, isn't it? So, like we were saying a little bit earlier... Um, I don't know where we go now after that little lot. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, what was I... There was something else. that We may be joined by somebody else. We may or may not. We've got about 45 minutes to go. So I've just got a message through. He may join us for a bit. You'll know him if he, if he rocks up. But I, if he can't rock up, then I'll... Uh, then I've, at least I've not messed that part of the show up this, this time. We can maybe find out if he's set anybody on fire. But if he's not clued into the conversation, it probably... It probably won't mean too much. Um, somebody writes, it's amazing how attractive playing with matches was pre-VHS video and tinternet. Now, tinternet is a northern way of saying, in the north of England, that's what we do. We got t- We don't say the uh, when you're being extremely northern. It's an old way. But yes, I think so. I've just revealed the, well, we were poor, but we were happy and very, very warm. <laughs> 
I blew the lid off of a, a propane gas grill. Does that count? Maybe we should just start a show all about fire. fires. I don't know, really. It's really quite interesting, isn't it? You can see it gets everybody going, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's a northern tradition, by the way. Guy Fawkes, Guido Fawkes, of course. I mean, he was duff at this, but Guido Fawkes is the guy that stocked the Houses of Parliament, you know, with gunpowder. Got discovered, unfortunately. Never, never lit the fuse. I mean, that boy, that would have been fun. Actually, fun's not the right word. It would have killed everybody in there, and there was an awful lot of people in there. Um, he just ended up being hung, drawn, and quartered. Um, which was, uh, I think, we mentioned that when we were talking about Guido Fawkes a few weeks ago. Shall we? Do you want to return to more serious matters? Uh, I mean, not that setting people on fire is not serious. It's quite a serious thing if you're the one being set on fire, unless, of course, you volunteered to do it like I did. But. Um, Yes. Um, so, so where does that leave us? <laughs> where are we left now? I don't have a clue. No. I've hijacked your brains, haven't I? Sent them all over the place. Uh, uh, it, well, before you do serious things... matters, I. I uh, yes. Wait, I didn't mean. I didn't want to interrupt Paul. No, no, Mr. Cheese, please or, speak, just... Mr. Fast Running Cheese, please, please, please do talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, before you do serious matters, I think I think the North in England is a little bit like uh, the South or you know the Southeast if you're looking at the map, but like the South in America, right? Like people yes. think we're dumb, but we're actually smarter than them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's how it works. And I've I've walked all around England, believe it or not. I'm one of the Americans with a passport. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, and I, I made the mistake of. Uh, is it Stansted, the Orion Airport? That is not in London. It took me like four days to walk to London. It was ridiculous. Yeah, but that's London, well on London's the outskirts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was all, London's an S-hole, though. I don't want to cuss on your show. London is literally an S-hole, and it's covered in S, the human crap yes, it is. everywhere. Yes, it is. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's um, Oh, and I, I got... I, I don't want to tell the full story and like incriminate myself, but I got uh, punched totally unprovoked by... Uh, Arab wearing a tuxedo, not a business suit, a tuxedo. Yeah. Okay? And I actually came out on top on that, luckily. But, like, who does that? I'm well far away from him. He took, like, a couple steps to boom, right in the chest. Were and, you trying to set him on anyways, fire? then I went up. <laughs> no, that would no. have been based. But Yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, you're right no, in your observations. I, I, think, I think you're right in your observations about, I've, I've said this probably quite a while not that i've ever been to texas right i haven't even been to the south of america i've been to new york a lot of times but that's like london it's not really america i mean it was very interesting at the time i went in the 80s and the 90s and the last time i was there was about 2005 something like that and that was kind of miserable 2005 because it was always post 9 11 and all the the whole security arrangement at the airport was just depressing when you arrived. It was sort of like, uh, you know, I've packed this in, but it already taken a hold on people's heads and they were all behaving in a rather miserable way. It wasn't like, a, I remember when I first went in the 80s, it was brilliant, but Texas is the largest state and currently one of the most troubled, I understand, or certainly the epicenter of something that's going on, some kind of power play in all sorts of ways, as is Yorkshire. Is it Texas is, or Alaska? I don't. Well, Alaska may be the big, but I always think Alaska's up there, isn't it? And it's too cold and it's full of yeah, snow. Yeah, it's not a real things. state. It's not a real state. It's just got a lot of yeah. oil in it and a lot of resources, and and so it's it's massively. Hey, but if you're important. from Alaska, yeah, they'll tell you the first time they meet you. I mean, you'll know. They're like, oh, I'm from Alaska. They tell you. What's the, po what's the population so size of Alaska? How many people live in Alaska, roughly? You got any idea? Uh, 
It must be sparsely populated. I just haven't met some of them. Yeah. Gotta be. Yeah, but the south south of America and the north of England are parallel in many ways. They share certain aspects. Both got nudged out of being the power centre of the nation. You know, I've mentioned this before. People up in Yorkshire used to always think that York which is well known because you've got New York. That's how important it was. York should have been the capital of England, but of course it didn't turn out that way. Chris, being a Southerner, of course, will curse me and next time I see him will probably, you know, let me have it with both barrels. But it's true. I I grew up on all that sort of nonsense when I was younger. And I don't know whether Northerners are necessarily smarter. I think they're smart people all over the place. But I've always said that Northerners in England are very well balanced because they've got a chip on both shoulders. And it's true. (laughs) There's that kind of attitude about things. So, yeah, um, there there are parallels in that way. And uh, we do eat a lot of cheese as well up there. I certainly did when I was young. In fact, I still do now. So a lot lot of cheese consumption. Cheese in Europe is so good. We've got junk cheese over here. I don't even know to tell you. Like, the Amish got some good cheese, but they are... I mean, it's just so crazy expensive. I bought it one time on sale, and then I went back because it's the best cheese I probably ever had. It is, uh, it is up there with European cheese and stuff. And, uh, and it's like $30 a pound regularly. Like, they can get out of here. I don't... What? It's not yeah. happening. Well, there's... Been, I mean, as you probably know, there's been a lot of antagonism historically for the last thousand years between the French and the English. It's always been there. I somehow feel that it's mellowing for some reason because we're all get, finding ourselves in the same terrible state. French cheese is outstanding, and yet the European Union have been passing regulations that effectively strip it of its flavour because, you know, set health and safety and all this other nonsense, and you can't have live bacteria. People of Europe have eaten this stuff for a thousand years, probably longer than that it's fine it's great the french have got over a thousand different varieties of cheese of course they're mad about it um and uh, i just i just think it's great why would you why would you restrict all that unless you're tr- seeking to of course ruin things once more which which is basically what they continue to do so who knows there might be a rapprochement between the english and the french with cheese as the intermediary you never know yeah like whatever they tell you with food you should do the opposite like the the fake butter crap in the 80s no forget about it you want the real butter you 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 like it's just it's just crazy i for some reason i'm nervous on the phone i could go on about food though forever uh yeah, yeah my favorite cheese though is probably danbo from denmark that stuff is good you get the old stinky one it's like can't even barely put it in your mouth it smells so bad but then as soon as you do you're like oh wow okay yeah give me some more of that and like let's try heating that up let's put that in this like it's good well maybe there's time for some maybe we need some cheese advertising in the show and really get going with all that kind of stuff i don't know we're going to ship it to people but yes um (laughs) let's try and move back to things seriously uh, sort of although i'm obviously not in too much of a serious mood today it's just one of those things is how it happens we've got some serious things coming up just to let you know um i had uh, dennis wise on a couple of weeks ago and i was speaking to dennis the other day he'll be back again in a couple of weeks time uh, not next week but the week following and we're hoping to do things on a regular basis in fact we've discussed it and that will be happening but he's going to be back on february the 15th uh, that being the um uh, week or that is the anniversary of the dresden event or events over several days beginning on the 13th of february 1945 
uh, a three-day annihilation of that city. We're going to be talking about that, but spiraling off into other things. So that will be themed very much on that. I've, I've kind of done things about that event uh, for many years on and off. Um, and also, just to let you know, I'm trying to get hold of uh, Tom Goodrich. Many people will know of him or know him, in fact. Uh, Tom's been, I've been very close to Tom for years. He's, he's not been having much fun the last 18 months to two years. I did exchange messages with him the other day. I'd love him to make an appearance, but he doesn't feel up to it, and I understand for why. However, I'm hoping to do a sort of uh, pre-show phone recording interview with him, at least 10 or 15 minutes, just to just so that he can say hi to everybody and do things. And uh, I think he's improving, but we're going to try and find out. So uh, if you want to have anybody in your thoughts, Tom Goodrich is a very good man to have in your thoughts. He's done so much uh, for our inquiry into real truth about things. And if you're not familiar with his books, uh, The Hellstorm, and uh, the other one is, oh, I can't remember the title now, what a terrible thing, about World War II, the two that are most prominent in my mind anyway. Um, And also he did a phenomenal book on uh, uh, the West, uh, the late 1800s in the West, called Scalp Dance, which I understand is his best-selling book ever, which many people don't know about. That's told in a true researched and accurate fashion by Tom. It's a brilliant book. I've got a copy of it on my shelf. You can pick copies up all over the place um, uh, about the sheer intestinal fortitude of those people at that time uh, ploughing across the West and, and uh, dealing with Indians, in uh, not Hollywood Indians, actual Indians and the way they actually behaved and what they had to do. So it's, um, it's gripping stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks' time. The, I think it might be called The Bad War, the book you're, we're looking for. But uh, it I, is. I might be wrong on that. It is. I just not, I didn't think. do any studying about this before today's show. So I've got all these things on my bookshelves, but there's just so much on my bookshelves. And sometimes my head sort of caves in with what I'm trying to recall. So, but yes, it is. It's The Bad War. It's about... It's about the war against Japan and Germany and and the whole thing. And it's an extension in many ways of of Hellstorm. But uh, although this wasn't meant to be a bit about that, if you haven't read Hellstorm or are not familiar with it, um, I I can't recommend it highly enough, but it's a very challenging read. Um, I doubt if you will read a book more challenging in terms of its emotional intensity and what it signifies. And of course, <laughs> to a great degree, we are enduring to this day the uh, the fallout from that conflict, which was uh, certainly in Britain's case and in America's case, wholly avoidable, except that neither of those countries were under the control of Americans or British people. Um, and that's right. obviously... That's the way it was, you know, and uh, and that's uh, another great communication that you have to make for the rest of your life, and you probably won't get too far with my, with most people on it, but it still needs to be made. Right. I have Hellstorm. I'm still working on getting a copy of The Bad War. It's very difficult to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, I think I don't. I don't have a physical copy. Um, I don't have a phys- Chris. Have you have you read those? Are you familiar with those books? Uh, uh, yeah, but not the bad war. I haven't heard of that one, Paul. Yeah. Um, I can have a look and see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, I have so many going through my head, it's a job to remember them all. Oh, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it, it builds up. It's not a memory issue. It's a it's a lack of disk space issue. You just go, yeah. whoa, I can't get any more in. I'm just cr- I'm crammed full with things. 
Someone has written a very vivid comment there, but I can't disagree with it. Two prize C asterisk asterisk TSs. Yes. Bomber Harris and whining Winnie Churchill. Well, yeah, they did call him Winnie, whining Churchill. But, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a topic of, uh, it's an emotive topic. Uh, interestingly, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, um, I've actually, I, I've got a physical copy of, uh, of Dennis's Wise, Dennis Wise's video, um, Adolf Hitler, The Greatest Story Never Told. Yet again, really a must viewing for people that are serious about inquiring about the true roots of why the world is the way it is today. And uh, I've lent that out to uh, uh, some good people that I know, and I'm going to be very interested to see what they say. Uh, they're not people who are necessarily seasoned in studying this area of history from this perspective. So I think it could be very, very useful. I'm always, I'm very interested in that, in trying to find, you know, whatever effective ways we can to get people to come to grips with what is a, a particularly unpleasant story and narrative. It's not particularly... <laughs> It doesn't sort of energise people when they actually get to the bottom of what the real truth is. It's it's an extremely sobering experience, really, with all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I definitely think we veered into the serious. So we did exactly what you intended to do. Yeah, we did. I mean, I was I, I did have lined up some health things for tonight, um, but as I was saying earlier, um, maybe I was saying it during the bit uh, that didn't go out. Um, as I was saying earlier, that there was uh, a few problems in getting that organised. But uh, Chris earlier today put me onto someone. I had a great chat with them. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get them online in time for today, but I'm expecting to have them on a little bit later, maybe this month. And uh, that's really to just do with. Uh, regaining control over health issues and what we mean by all of that and of course all of these things are fully interrelated once you pick one part of the of the canvas that is uh, has been laid across as you start to unpick the whole thing you can't help it if you keep going and of course what's been very encouraging these last few years is that so many people are beginning to do that it's it is very encouraging indeed um I was just see if I could find some more clips uh, here. A Dutch commentator, you know, just things to keep moving things along a bit. You can see that this show has been very well pre-planned, can't you? I hope that's coming across, everybody. Um, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and don't you have something from Elvis? Mm, I might do, but I don't know whether we can do that. You see, it's closely linked. Let me just have a look. It's closely linked with whoever might be turning up and it's not dennis all right <laughs> dennis picked elvis the other week this is going to just turn into a record show if i don't watch it isn't it maybe that's not such a bad thing i don't know um so we'll just have to hold fire on that for uh, for a while paul uh we're just gonna have to hold fire oh i'll tell you what we did have a request for a song in i have no i haven't heard this one either but it's going to get played now because it's just come up so let me wind back i want to make sure because i i credited the wrong person last week and oh this is warren i don't know if warren you you asked last week as well and i got it wrong so i did apologize last week for that but then i am a bit of a bumbler suggestion homburg by procol harem if possible please well it is but brace yourselves everybody because i've never heard i may have heard it before but i don't recognize it this is three just yeah three or four minutes long here we go Business friend, 
Your trouser cuffs are dirty, or something like that. I'm not very good with the lyrics there, but that was Procol Harum, and uh, definitely had echoes of uh, Whiter Shade of Pale. Somebody wrote in the chat, My cat's gone, a whiter pale of shade, as that record was playing. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm not a big cat fan myself, anyway. Um, anybody heard that one before? Nope. 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 Me neither. So, uh, probably not up your street, Chris, but there you go. There's nothing we can do. These oh, people no. will... <laughs> oh, it wasn't bad. <laughs> wasn't bad. You know, there's a the, the Wider Shade of Pale, which is a fantastic song. There's a recording of it. I mean, I often think of them really as just a one-song band. Um, there's a recording of them doing that um, live in Denmark, Um uh, it's absolutely amazing with a full orchestra. His voice just got better and better the older he got, and it's a wonderful song. So uh, there was all of that. Um, what did I find here? Listen to this. Uh, here's our pals again. I think it's our pals. Um, oh, didn't want to play. What about that? What was happening there? Um, normally those things... Oh, I know what I'm not doing. Here we go. Oh, no didn't want to work sorry about that more bumblingness i've got a little clip thing here and it should work no nope, don't want to play there you go you line all these things up you spend minutes getting it ready and it all goes wrong how about that um i don't know why that had done that 
Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't need to. We're down to the last sort of 24, 25 minutes of the show this week. Uh, this week's rambunctious nature is a reflection of my week. <laughs> so there we go. Um, it was just one of these weeks where a lot of funny little strange things didn't come together and many other ones did that I wasn't expecting. Um, so, and if you um, want to pitch in, if you want to call in, I mean, you can obviously free to keep on uh, typing in the in the chat room on Rumble. But if you want to call in and pass a comment, talking about cheese or fire or World War Two or anything that we've been bumbling around on this evening, but it's been fun actually. You can do go to paulenglishlive.com and you'll see a link there. Or if you just want to type it straight into your browser, paulenglishlive.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L. It'll bring you into the studio here where you can ask it. all sorts of interesting questions of the people that are gathered here this evening. And I'm joined currently by Paul, who's been with me from pretty early on in the show, and Chris Sussexman, who's been here likewise, and the recent edition of Fast Running Cheese from America. So there we go. And you could join the company and we could bumble along even further um <clears throat> any topics gentlemen that you would like to raise anything that you would like to talk about well, i i have a question for fast running cheese mm-hmm. um have you because i'm on another radio show where there's actually people that call in from literally around the world and across the country for sure and there's a lot of reports that there really isn't anything of any substance going on down at the border, that, that it's mostly media hype and um, just the news whipping up a frenzy of patriots and the like, you know, fear in the populace and anger in the patriots. Uh, what are you hearing about what's actually going on down there? Well, see, I, I'm uh, in the foothills of the Appalachia in uh, North Georgia, so the only thing I can say is we are, uh, and I got to be careful because I don't want to get British people in trouble, but we are crawling in Mexicans. Like, they don't speak English, and they all have very nice cars, and it's like, how, uh, how is this? I mean, you just, you just drive by the welfare office if you don't believe me, and the, the parking lot's full of, like, brand new cars, and it's like, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so that's the only thing I can say is they're, they're definitely coming in, but I'm, I'm nowhere near the border, uh, uh, yeah, I'm nowhere near the border, but, uh, well, the reports that I'm getting is that what the governor is doing and taking a stand against immigration is actually not it's ridiculous what is just really sending them in on. yeah it, 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 i've been calling I mean, them hot allowing wheels them to pass <laughs> yeah i've been calling them hot wheels which is totally inappropriate because you know he's in a wheelchair so i've been calling him hot wheels because he's just shipping them everywhere like like i don't know mills on wheels but it's not mills it's like just the, just the just the beans i don't know it's yeah, it's, it's way worse what he's doing. Like he thinks he's owning the libs, but uh, he's not. He's just sending them in. Like they're just gonna send them. I, it's just ridiculous. Why, if you can send them there, why can't you send them back south? This is Abbott, is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg Abbott, yeah. Yep. Hot Wheels. Just totally um, inappropriate. I know. I'm gonna stop saying it. No, no, I, 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 I don't mind. Um, you can, you know, you, you live in a free speech country. We do, we do, Chris, don't we? Chris, yeah. Chris, do well, we live in a free speech country? 
Well, we're supposed to, but it's not in reality. <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to say that, Chris, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> um, you got uh, Sven Longshanks. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to bring him up, but I didn't want to like interrupt because when you were talking no, about how up. the Indians actually were. Yeah, he, 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 I've probably listened to it three times. If you type in Indian Atrocities, uh, Radio Albion, you'll get it's a three-part series he's he he's just reading an audio book uh from uh indian atrocities but you know he's got a nice uh radio voice uh it, it's worth that's how they really were i mean they were like kidnapping white children <clears throat> and like raising them to go attack white people when they're older and stuff it was ridiculous this is like the memoirs of one of those kids who escaped and actually got captured again and escaped again and like they were real upset that he uh betrayed them because they were like we we turned you into an indian and it's like well he, this one was still white and he couldn't even read and I mean, he couldn't even write sorry so it was all uh dictated um you know what i mean because he'd been raised by indians but uh he was he was a smart guy otherwise um it, it's worth a listen for sure and then uh yeah well there are a lot of t- i mean there are I, I don't have the account to hand um but uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this elsewhere, but I'll, I can remember most of it. Um, there's an account of a, a boat, a ship, arriving at Jamestown sometime in the 1600s, late 1600s. And um, obviously they've just spent three months at sea, and no doubt that was very challenging, and no doubt all the people that got on the boat in England were not the ones getting off, didn't get off it at the end. And so they... I don't know how the approach uh, to Jamestown is, um, but they obviously come down some tributary or whatever it is. And um, the uh, uh, they all came up on the top deck to get fresh air as they're pulling in. And off to one side, uh, out from behind some sort of uh, rushes, some reeds, there comes a canoe... And in the canoe, there are several squaws and several young Indian children, all paddling like mad, really high speed, as fast as they can possibly go. And this causes, draws the attention of everybody on the top deck, and uh, as it would, uh, because they think they're on a collision course with their own boat, and uh, it appears to be that way, because they're going to c- cut across them from right to left. Uh, and then a few um, half a minute later, another canoe is, uh, is seen following the, in pursuit, full of white guys armed to the teeth, <clears throat> going as quick, going quicker. And they realise that something very, very serious is is about to happen or unfold, and they're not happy about it all because they've just arrived, you know, and it's not a particularly pleasant event that they think they're about to watch, which they do. Uh, and the both the boats get in front of the of their ship, um, now over to the left or starboard side or port, I can't remember, I'm a dumbo with that stuff. But um, <clears throat> the the pursuing canoe catches up with the first canoe and they killed everybody in that canoe uh, with oars and pushed them under the water and drowned them and killed them. Uh, whilst this is going on, in sight of everybody on the top of it, the, they're going crazy because they don't like this. They think this is awful and appalling and it's not what they've come for. Of course, it's a very distressing thing to see. 
And they pull into port and dock and they're disembarking and they're in, still in a, a high state of agitation and hysteria uh, by all of this. And the men in the canoe by now have pulled up to the dockside as well and got out, coming up the steps and are coming along the quayside to meet the harbour master or whatever it is. And they are confronted by the ship's captain, these men, who's apoplectic with rage that, you know, they've, this is the thing that they see, this slaughter of what they consider to be innocent people. And so if you only see it from that perspective, that is the story that you would think you're seeing. But that's they then explain what had happened. And it turned out that these Indians were from a tribe who worshipped a god uh, that was a god of pain. And uh, they were taught uh, in the arts of torture. And one of their party, one of these men's party, they had discovered one of their friends who had been tied to a tree by these squaws and these children and had had the flesh, he was still alive when they found him, he'd had the flesh peeled off of him right down to his waist, from his head to his waist. So they put him out of his misery, but this is what basically kicked them off. They'd had enough. Now, you might say that this is a terrible story. It is an absolutely awful story, uh, but that it's not an isolated incident of things like this happening, a degree of cruelty that we, we can't countenance. I mean, some people might say, well, it's rich coming from you white people with all your bombs and everything. But, but that's the way it unfolded. That's what was happening when they were confronting certain tribes. So they felt that the more pain they could inflict on their enemy, it, it appeased their God and would bring more favour to them. Um, not the sort of religion I think that would would work too well these days. And there are there are accounts of these things. I mean, I don't dwell on these things, but I do remember that one very vividly because it's from years ago that I read it, and obviously I haven't forgotten it. Um, so I'm just recounting it here. And you know, if you've only got one perspective on a thing, you more often than not will not be fully informed, as we were talking about earlier with regards to all of the history that we've been fed. Uh, you know, over the last four or five hundred years, well, it went like this, and these were the good guys, and these were the bad guys. You go, well, I don't know about that. Let me just have a look at this book over here. Oh, we don't want you reading that book. We don't want you reading those accounts. No. Yeah. Well, we want to read those yeah. accounts. Tough. We're going to read them, and I, then a different picture emerges. Very different. I don't expect I'll be forgetting that story anytime soon either, Paul. Thank you. So, yeah, I just thought I'd lift everybody's mood. I hope you're feeling happy now. Um, so if you think life's tough now, just be thankful that you were a pioneer being tortured to death in such a horrific way um, because uh, that's just completely not on. Um, of course, we're not. Uh, you know what they were doing uh, the the so-called witch trials and all of this attack on witches i don't have any books on that chris do you do you have any books or any information with regards you know to the persecution of so-called witches in the middle ages over here yes i think i do have a few and again um that's a different thing to what you you know you perceived um a lot of people were accused of being witches because they weren't the right politics and they didn't support the government. So they classed them as a witch and they were burnt at the stake. So, and also, um, you know, a lot of them were accused of uh, poisoning the wells as well. That caused the um, plague, mm-hmm. which turned oh, out to like be the a Jews did. race. Yeah. Yeah, and I know who does the wells for real. I mean, they do it today in Gaza. Yeah, well, they're doing it. 
they're doing it to our tap water here in the UK. Yeah, that's what the too. Black Plague really was. And yeah. I'm not just trying to be funny. Yes. That's what the Black Plague really was. Yeah, there are. I, I am not fully immersed in that, but I've seen I've seen the titles of books, and it's an area I don't know. I mean, I'm, I keep talking about the witches and stuff because the you know burning people alive at the stake is not good. I don't care what they've done. You don't do that. I'm serious because it's a it's a terrible thing. It it sort of reveals a terrible distortion of what people think is justice. There's no need for that. Um, you know, he said what in a sort of modern really bad. We start you really well, bad. Just being hung is it because you know I think that there are definitely there are definitely uh, grounds. Uh, it's a law. You murder people, you pay with your life, and this has got to be reintroduced again, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, the danger that we have in modern living is the sophistication with which people can be framed for things like this. This is worrying stuff, um, and the idea that innocent men and women uh, have been hung, which they no doubt have. It is a great terror to us, but the what's the other side of it? Uh, a rampant and ever-escalating criminal sort of underclass um, or a, a culture of it that is part of the overall decay of everything. So I'm not saying it's an easy question to answer, and I really don't feel as though I'm fully qualified, although I came across a pamphlet written by a vicar here in England, he's still alive, about 10 years ago, five or 10 years ago, about why the reintroduction of uh, corporal punishment and uh, hanging for murder is necessary. Uh, and the reasons he gave were very good. So, you know, uh, it's not all about reason, but some kind of measure has to be applied. Um, uh, it might be bad for certain individuals, no doubt it is, but but some framework for bringing that about has to be brought about. And I think, uh, you know, the slackness in that area is, as I said earlier, part and parcel of this disintegration of the rigour and the and the law under which we live. But the, the witches always struck me as being completely mad. I mean, one of the other stories I heard, Chris, apart from the Wells story, was that churches at the time were supposed to be the provider of healing. And yet many of the uh, wise women of the villages understood uh, and had received down through the centuries all of the cures necessary, you know, through the application of herbs, the understanding of the applications of this, that, oh, you've got that, you do this, many of which were based on sound uh, and known experiences that had travelled down through hundreds of years, and they were able to sort of sort people out. Or at least I think they were. No doubt we've been told, no, they all got covered in warts and this, that and the other. But, you know, it's who's telling the story. Again, you've got to say, who is telling this story? And do they have a dog in this fight? Is there a vested interest in it? And usually there is, you know, so you get a distorted account of what really took place. Well, it's a bit like today, all the good stuff, uh, you know, things that can uh, heal you, the government immediately bans. I mean, uh, uh uh, they already started, as you know, Paul, uh, putting a ban on nicotine because contrary to many people's belief, nicotine is necessary for the body because it's in the receptors of the stomach and uh, deals with uh, poisons that come into it, especially snake venom. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And and we've been flooded with poisonous uh, fluoride in the water, which uh, replaces the nicotine in our stomach, so that makes us more subject to diseases. And contrary to belief, uh, nicotine isn't addictive, because uh, they think tobacco is addictive. Well, it is. It's because of the 
chemicals they put in it to make people keep on smoking and go after a particular brand. Yes. So, and and, uh, now they're trying to, what was it the other thing I read? Oh, uh, you were talking about Bill Gates. And there was one clip says, oh, we must get rid of lemons. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was trying to patent. (laughs) Do you know he was trying to patent the lemon? He wanted to get hold of it. Because I could destroy it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've heard frozen lemons, if you take the zest, you know, the yellow bit on the outside, it's called the zest. I I always thought it just meant that it was zesty. But that, if it's frozen, is a tremendous anti-cancer thing, Uh, an antioxidant, a tremendously powerful. Lemons are unbelievably powerful things. Interesting, though, that you bring up nicotine, um, because there's a thread really back into what I was just talking about with the Red Indians, which bears out what you were saying. Obviously, their wealth uh, was measured in cattle and or their horses. So they would be involved in cattle drives and looking after their livestock, very important part of their uh, asset base, as it were. Not that they would have called that being Red Indians, you know, they would have called their horses whatever they called them. But on these long drives across the plains, they would regularly see their uh, cattle and their horses bitten by venomous snakes. And they used to carry with them a poultice of tobacco, tobacco poultices, and they would be strapped onto the bite wound as fast as they could do it. And the nicotine seeping out of the tobacco would get into the bloodstream and would stop the venom rotting out the organs of the animal because that's what it does. Even if it doesn't, you know, the fast-acting stuff, the stuff that we're rightfully alarmed about, these snakes and spiders that bite you and you're sort of kaput in 30 seconds or 30 minutes or whatever it is, of course you need to be wary of them. But venom is really, really nasty stuff. I mean, it's a joke that I say it that way, but it is. And, um, you know, you're talking about fluoride. I think that's an aspect. It's almost like a venom in terms of its effect. And so nicotine is actually, you know... A big positive thing, and I'll, I'll probably do a show about this because I, um, for all sorts of reasons, my wife being ill, I've actually got her on nicotine, and it's one of the things that has had the most marked effect on improving her. She's still got a long way to go, but it's made a big difference to her. Um, and as you were saying, Chris, it's not addictive, or at least uh, Yale University said it's not addictive in 2015 in a report that's difficult to get hold of, and there are other very, very positive effects of it, and uh, our body is full of what are literally called nicotine receptors to actually take it in. One other thing, tying another thread as well, just going back to Hellstorm and World War II, I might have mentioned this before, but uh, I was always interested that the National Socialists during their beer meetings banned smoking. And I know it was for health reasons, and I don't think Mr. Hitler was a big fan of it. And I can understand that because uh, there's that aspect of it. But I think one aspect of it was is, and I think I read something about this somewhere, all the guys at the back smoking cigarettes and pipes and things were a little bit harder to reach emotionally. They were a little bit sharper in the mind and a bit quicker-witted. And I've often thought about that. You know, we have this uh, mythical picture, don't we, of the old bearded European man in the forest with his hat on. He's sat on a log and he's smoking his pipe and he's considering the universe or whatever he's considering or, you know, how to boil a carrot or whatever it is but it's kind of synonymous with wisdom or a a thoughtful type of intelligence and there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that's exactly the case the other point is uh uh, nicotine is the only known antidote to the spite 
protein, which is a code word for snake venom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And a lot of people have been affected. Again, uh, they, they've, they've got relief from it. So, of course, the government doesn't want you to know that, do they? No, they don't. And I've seen all the over here. I don't know if, you, if anything's happening in the States, but over here they're slowly – they've just suddenly started talking about nicotine a lot. Um, there's a plan to make America, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand nicotine-free, I think it is, by 2030 is what they want to do um, because it's very, very bad. No, it isn't. And uh, there are no side effects with it. It's, it's a thing from nature, a bit like you know people who – uh, apply the medical use of cannabis and so on and so forth. These plants exist. It's the knowledge to use them effectively. Um, I, I would have thought, Chris, it's probably got something to do with affecting the profits of the pharmaceutical industry. But then, you know, what do I know? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you think? And also, it's counteracting <laughs> their, their their vaccine program. The desired end results, isn't it? Yes, I, th- I think I think it does. I mean, um, I don't know if I've mentioned him here before on the show. I'd love to interview him, actually. There's a guy in Texas, so there's another connection. He's all going in Texas. Dr. Brian Ardis has done some tremendous videos on this stuff. He's definitely worth looking up. Uh, he's the one that has got this information regarding venom and regarding of the counteracting of effects of nicotine. And I think at one point he said, you know, God has basically supplied us with nicotine as a natural revitalizer of the immune system. Because there's parts of the cell that are literally called nicotine receptors. And one of the things I remember him explaining, so pretty we're talking about this at the end, but we'll maybe carry this thread on to next week, um, was that uh, those people that have got long COVID, so-called whatever it may be, when, when they get them on nicotine, the nicotine particles, as it were, go into the blood, come along, bump into the cell that's got this gunk on it, whatever it's called. Let's call it COVID because they want to call it that. And it goes, hey, I live here, and it kicks it off. It kicks the bad cell off of the, uh, the damaging cell, off of the cell, connects in its rightful place, and your body slowly flushes this damaging stuff right out, you know, right out of the whole thing. Hey, there's the, um, there's the music at the end of this show. So uh, thank you very much for being with us uh, this week. I won't be doing a post-show after this. Um, I think we'll, we'll close down on Rumble after this because it's been quite, <laughs> it's quite a week and I think I need to close these things after two hours. If you want to carry on talking, you could always come into, uh, you could call into the studio. There's room for quite a few more if you wanted to do that. Um, I'll be back next week at the same time, probably with a guest. Um, and uh, we will get off to a proper start next week as I'll stay up for days in advance to make sure that it happens. Um, I want to thank everybody who's joined me tonight. Paul, thank you very much. Chris, great that you were here, and I'd love to have you back more often. We can get into English common law and that stuff. And Mr. Fast Running Cheese, your spontaneous appearance has been much appreciated. Always good to talk about cheese and the other things that we've touched upon. Uh, final words, gentlemen? We've got about 40 seconds. Very no? good show, Paul. Uh, covered a lot of interesting information. You, great show. Uh, yeah. Cool. Don't set yourself on fire, everyone. Um, if you get covered in petrol, it's Try not a not good to. idea. Don't do that. Um, uh, unless you're very, very young and can run fast enough to uh, to knock all these things out. 
Um, that's it. We're wrapped up and out of here for this week. We'll be back, uh, as I said, next week on WBN 324. We'll be on all the other stations, Freefall Radio South Africa, and we'll be here on Rumble. And I will be having a guest on next week, and I know who it is. So we'll announce that later on. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks, everyone, and uh, I will see you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>